0: It is Wednesday, February 1st, and this is People Every Day. Hello again, Janine Rubenstein here with you on this very first day of Black History Month. We have some amazing stories highlighting Black history and excellence coming your way here on the podcast, on People.com, and of course, in the magazine. And speaking of the magazine, today on the show, we'll be previewing this week's cover star, Sally Field, and what it was like making 80 for Brady with Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, and the man himself, Tom Brady. And yes, we are absolutely diving into this Brady re-retirement news today. So much happening, so much to get to, so let's get to it. The Academy has spoken. Andrea Riseborough's Oscar nomination is not going to be rescinded. Just a few days after the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences announced that a review was being conducted to determine the award's rules for online campaigning, it announced on Tuesday that the British actress will keep her Best Actress nomination for To Leslie following a grassroots social media campaign from fellow actors. The Academy's CEO, Bill Kramer, released a statement addressing the controversy, quote, Based on concerns that surfaced last week around the Two Leslie Awards campaign, the Academy began a review into the film's campaigning tactics. The Academy has determined the activity in question does not rise to the level that the film's nomination should be rescinded. Kramer did go on to say that the investigation did reveal some media and outreach tactics that raised some eyebrows and concern, and stated, quote, "...these tactics are being addressed with the responsible parties directly." The Academy plans to review and make changes to film campaigns, but noted that these changes will be made after this award cycle. Riseborough's film was able to push out stars from acclaimed and frankly widely seen films like Danielle Dedweiler in Till, and Viola Davis in The Woman King from receiving a Best Actress nom. Riseboro's film received support from some last-minute Hollywood heavy hitters like Gwyneth Paltrow, Kate Winslet, and Edward Norton, who boosted the film's profile during the voting period. After all of this controversy, I know film lovers will be extra curious to see who takes home the top prize in the Best Actress category. Keeping Things in Hollywood, Alec Baldwin and Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, the armorer from the film Rust, have been formally charged in the death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Yesterday, the Santa Fe County DA formally levied charges, which include two counts of involuntary manslaughter. A judge will now decide whether to move the case forward after a preliminary hearing. A spokesperson for the First Judicial District Attorney's Office said in a press release earlier this week, the district attorney and the special prosecutor are fully focused on securing justice for Helena Hutchins. The evidence and the facts speak for themselves. Attorneys for Baldwin and Gutierrez-Reed did not immediately respond to people's requests for comment on Tuesday. However, a source tells people that the former 30 Rock star attended a poker night at New York's private club Zero Bond last night, just hours after being charged. The source said that Alex seemed chill and low-key as he visited the exclusive spot in the NoHo neighborhood of Manhattan with his wife, Elati Baldwin, and added that the couple, quote, didn't engage with anyone but headed straight to where everyone plays poker. Maybe it was a way to take his mind off of everything that transpired yesterday. Regardless, we will definitely keep you updated as this story continues to unfold. And now this. Earlier today, Tom Brady announced his retirement again, but Brady's life looks a lot different this time around. It's time to talk TB12. Guys, am I having deja vu? Because this morning, Tom Brady announced, again, that he would be retiring from the NFL. There is no doubt in anyone's mind that the last year has been, in a word, rough for the seven-time Super Bowl champion. All we can do now is wonder if all of it was worth it. So here to break down this story is the woman who has been on the cusp of all of our Brady breaking news, People's Executive Editorial Director, Charlotte Triggs. Hi, Charlotte. Hey, Janine. Hey, John. Let's begin by listening to the video he put out this morning. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay. And I used mine up last year. So I uh, really thank you guys so much. Now, Charlotte, this was short and sweet and not drawn out like last time. He is clearly emotional at the end. Uh, what do you think makes this video different from last year? I got to give him some credit for being
1: pretty self-aware. He's like making a little tiny, tiny bit of fun of himself. Like he says, like, you know, you don't get, you don't get to do the big lengthy thing twice, but he is quite emotional. You can almost see him getting a little tiny bit choked up because it's clearly it's a huge deal for him. This is a, the moment that he'd been putting off and putting off. And to many people who have been paying attention to this, it is actually surprising to see him being rather definitive about it because he's like, this is it for good. Most people, including people who work with him for him, like didn't really honestly know know, he was going to be a free agent. His contract with the Buccaneers was up, but there was talk about him... Potentially trying to land on another team. And then he posted something like ninety photos of, you know, his memories from like throughout his career and stuff like that. Interestingly mm. enough, this time last year, we got the essay treatment from Giselle where she posted this long, long thing saying how proud she was of his career and his accomplishments and what he was gonna do next. And this year she's basically like wishing you all the best. It was <laughs> like a one line little note, but she was smart and put something out there.
0: It cannot go without saying that coming out of retirement after only 40 days of being retired last year had a major impact on his life. So remind us of what he sacrificed for a game that he would quit just a year later and not going out on top. Yeah, it's you know, this was a very dramatic
1: roller coaster of a year. The initial retirement was precisely one year ago. You know, everybody recalls the timeline. He retired he then unretired, like a month and a half later, we didn't hear anything negative from Giselle initially. And then, of course, the drama all started spiraling right before the season where he missed the beginning of practice, which is unheard of, especially for somebody who's extending their career and all of that. Sources close to Giselle were saying this is literally not just because she's like a naggy wife who doesn't want him to play football. I think it's probably if you scratch a layer deeper, he wants to do what he wants to do. <laughs> Don't we all, right? But that can be challenging in a marriage. But yeah, he wanted to play football one more time. He wanted to give it another shot. He turned 45 last year. It was pretty much unheard of. Although yeah. unretiring is, of course, not. Didn't Brett Favre do that? There's a bit of a precedent for that. This has been a roller coaster year. And then the kicker, they didn't have a good season after all this drama, after like the divorce being finalized in October. They got off to a bit of a rocky start in the season. And one might have assumed, okay, well, there's a lot going on personally. That might be distracting him. The whole season was not a, a great success. In his podcast after the game where the Bucks got knocked out, he snapped at his co-host, and he said, "Like, stop asking me what I'm going to do. Like, I don't, I don't effing know." And you don't see that from him, so we could tell emotions were running really high.
0: Well, the film 80 for Brady comes out this weekend, and we are going to talk more about that later in the show. But last night, one of our reporters caught up with Tom on the red carpet, and he had this to say about the end of the season.
2: I'm still kind of, you know, decompressing. It's only been a couple of weeks since the season ended. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of feels like it's been a few weeks since the season ended.
0: Now, I- I'm listening to that there. I'm wondering, like, was it going through his mind what he was about to release on the world today, this re-retirement?
1: It's interesting to hear him say that it was, like, emotional to watch the movie with his son. Obviously, the movie would have been a really excellent movie to, like, hit as he's, like, going out on a high note. Unfortunately, this season didn't go his way. But it's, like, totally, like, written for super fans of Tom Brady. So it's, like, it's like a very nice moment. Actually, this is, like, a bit, kind of, like, a soft cushion moment to be ending with because it's, like, glorifying everything Tom. And so watching it with his son's daughter, I mean, of course he's going to be, like... Emotional, right? And it does make sense that he'd particularly be emotional if he's got a big announcement coming. Mm -hmm. And the timing is really excellent. Hopefully, I guess it's probably going to drive some ticket sales to that film, right? This week.
0: Well, Giselle has become once again one of the most sought after models. Her love life, everyone is dying to find out about. Is it the jujitsu instructor? Is it not? She is living her best life as his begins to kind of go in a different direction. So what do you predict happening here? And do you think we are going to see her? at his side, supporting him again. She
1: seems like very much to be kind of like happy. Over it. And over it. Yeah. And we heard from a source actually last week where we're like seeing all these pictures of her modeling and we wanted to know like what's going on with her. And the source told us she's really happy that her life is not in limbo anymore. She kind of felt like, what's he going to decide? Where are we going to live? And like, what's going to be our home base and all this stuff? And like, can I afford to like go on this shoot? I think, like mentally checked out and they divorce. According to the source, she feels settled and she feels like, all right, this is decided. There's not, things are not in limbo anymore. I don't have to wait on someone else to be making the decision. I can just do what I want to do. And she is ready to get back to work. And they've denied that the jujitsu instructor situation is a romantic situation. And I don't know. I mean, like like I've said on previous occasions here, I don't take my jujitsu instructor to Costa Rica with me <laughs> multiple times.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Charlotte, thank you so much for being here and for always being ready to dive in deep with me for more <laughs> on this developing story. You guys, check out people.com. Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks, Jean. Coming up, we continue with this Brady double coverage. See what I did there? As we get into this week's cover story featuring Sally Field. The two-time Oscar winner talks about her new film and shares how Tom Brady kept things cool under pressure while filming. But first, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it is Black History Month, which is why we are welcoming back our good friend Jeremy Helliger to highlight some of the Living Legends of Tomorrow coverage from this week's issue. It's one of my favorite things we've done here at People and we will be right back with it. January. Hello, February. And welcome to Black History Month. And my good friend, People's Executive Editor, Jeremy Halliger, is here with me now to share our extended Black History Month coverage out on newsstands Friday. Hey, Jeremy. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Janine. Well, in our Living Legends spread, we feature Zendaya, Issa Rae, Janet Mock, and Ava DuVernay. So what is it about this group that makes them a living legend?
3: So we have... Zendaya, who is the first Black woman to win Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series twice. We have Ava DuVernay, who is the first Black woman to direct a movie that grossed over $100 million at the box office. We have Janet Mock, we have Issa Rae, Little Nas X, Donald Glover, and Colson Whitehead, who's the first Black author to win the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction twice, So this is like a pretty amazing group of talents.
0: Well, I want to talk about Issa Rae a little bit. When that HBO deal came through and, and Insecure, you know, this is based off of Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl. And, you know, you had kind of heard that this was going to be picked up in a big way and no one knew that it was going to become Emmy nominated. And now she's gone on to do her own production. So what's your favorite thing about Issa Ray besides how hilarious she was on Insecure?
3: <laughs> She's really adept at doing comedy and also doing drama. Issa really walks that line so expertly. She's the first Black woman to create and store in a premium cable TV series. And she's also progressed into feature films. So this is someone who has a big career that's going to straddle movies, television, and even music.
0: You're so right. I got to ask about my guy, someone who we can't not watch, Lil Nas X. He just changed the game in music and he's changing the game in style. He has people wearing like all these coach bags again. Like <laughs> what's your favorite thing about Lil Nas X? It's amazing
3: because when Lil Nas X first came out, I think a lot of people assumed he would be a one hit wonder mm-hmm. because old town would You know, as catchy as it was, it kind of felt like a novelty record.
0: Yeah, and it was so big, it was almost too big.
3: Right? 19 weeks at number one in Billboard, and he really has surpassed everyone's expectations. He came out as gay while Old Town World was in the middle of its number one run, and he's become— a gay icon. He's become a style icon. He's collaborating with Cardi B. He's collaborating with Nas. So he's really shown a lot of cross-format appeal. And I'm just waiting for him to burst into acting. I'm sure he's going to get a great role and do really well.
0: I'm waiting for him to do anything. <laughs> like
3: it's always
0: it is always something that everyone's talking about. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on. And guys, don't forget to get your copy of this week's issue on Newsstands Friday.
1: I have avoided some other films that are that are like groups of ladies because I have certain feelings that women are about so much more than just, you know you know, looking for a date or, you know, who's my next husband or even trying to fix it with your husband and sharing that with your girlfriends. I, I, I just had the feeling, I have the feeling that women are about a lot.
0: We like her. We really like her. <laughs> that was this week's People cover star, Sally Field, who opens up to us about her amazing career, being a mom and always staying true to herself. The legendary actress who's been in iconic films like Norma Ray, Steel Magnolias, oh, it's going to make me cry to saying the name, and Mrs. Doubtfire, has a new movie coming out called 80 for Brady, where she joins forces with other fellow legends, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, and Lily Tomlin as their characters take a road trip to see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I cannot wait to see this film. It looks so good. Joining me now is People's Deputy West Coast Editor and the man who spoke to Sally himself, Jason Sheeler. Hey, Janine. The major thread that you wove so well throughout your interview is that being truthful and living that truth is Sally's like North Star. So tell me more about that.
2: We see her as this woman who has complete agency. She seems like a total badass who's always done exactly what she wants to do when she wants to do it. But what I found is like all these little decisions she made along the way greatly impacted her life and it all was in. Searching of the Truth, which she learned after she was doing her second series in 1967, The Flying Nun, which she hated. She felt like she was humiliated on a national television. She said it was a joke. There weren't actually humans in the story, right? But there she was in her second series. She was, you know, a star on television. But what she really wanted to do was act because when she was on stage, that was the only time she said that she could actually hear herself. And so she went to the famed actor studio with Lee Strasberg and began to really seriously study acting. And it was all about sense memory and finding the truth in all of her characters.
0: Well, Sally got candid with you about raising three boys as well—the personal side of
2: things. She described her children as fuel. There was fuel to get her career because she's like, I had no backup plan. She's like, it's, I, I was—I couldn't at that point say just forget acting. So that's all she had. She actually said, she's like, it's not like I could go like, forget this acting thing. I'm going to open a boutique in Pasadena. So actually, having children raised the stakes, and it actually pushed her to work harder.
0: Well, I want to talk about her son, Sam. He is a writer whose coming out story mirrored brothers and sisters. As fans know, Sally played Nora, and Matthew Reese played Kevin, who comes out to his mom. So this part of the interview really moved me. Tell our listeners how Sally's real life kind of came into play here.
2: I love brothers and sisters, and I love Nora. And I did know a lot of the backstory about Nora in that show, which ran on ABC from 2006-2011. And so Nora was the matriarch of the family. It actually took place in Pasadena, near where Sally grew up herself. But there's a moment towards the end of the show where Matthew Reese comes out to Sally, and he was so pained because basically Sally's character is like, I knew you, you, you were gay. And then he was wrecked. It's not that she was unaccepting. It's that she knew this whole time. He was like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? And she's like, I couldn't walk this journey for you. You had to figure it out for yourself, but I'm here for you now. And instead of being like really appreciative, Matthew Reese's character is almost kind of like resentful or angry about how she she knew and just didn't tell him and do it for him. Well, as it turns out, that whole scene, nearly as Sally's real life son, Sam Griesman says, was verbatim his his coming out story to his own mom. And this is another example of like the truth in all of Sally's characters, right? And she told me in the story for the five years, she worked in cooperation with, with the showrunners. She wrote most of her own lines because she just wanted to make Nora like more three-dimensional, had to bring more truth to her characters. And so this is another example of like Sally's real life secretly weaving their way into the characters.
0: When does Sally say no? Because I feel like in following your North Star, you have to listen to that voice that says, this isn't for you.
2: So 80 for Brady is about four women on a road trip. It's more fun. It's more absurd. It's not really about the men. And in fact, that's what Sally said. She's like, she's been offered similar movies to 80 for Brady. And she says no, because she believes women have to be and can be, and in fact, are more than about looking for the next husband or talking to your girlfriends about your man. And 80 for Brady, she actually only did because in her lifetime, she says she always wanted to do a movie with her best friend, Jane Fonda. And Mm -hmm. so Jane actually brought the project to Sally And was like, let's do this. And then two other no's that I think, you know, y'all out there in podcast land may may be shocked by I was. She said no to First Wives Club, which is like cuckoo bananas. Just go back and like remember First Wives Club, and you're like, oh my God, I I see you in that. She's like, Goldie really wanted me to do it. But they were all so musical. And she's like, it would have been fun, but it's not for me. And then going further back, Right after Norma Ray, she was offered a little movie called Romancing the Stone with Michael Douglas. And mm-hmm. she's like, at that moment, I just knew there was someone better than me for that role. And that person ended up being Kathleen Turner. And she went on to describe Kathleen Turner and how just breathtakingly good she's in that movie and she's good in everything. She's not afraid to, to walk away, which, again, makes you just love her all the more.
0: Before I let you go, we have to talk about 80 for Brady. We've sprinkled it in here, but lots of Tom Brady news today. This film looks Like so much fun, even though I was like, where did this concept come from? (laughs) So take a listen to what Sally said about working with the athlete.
1: He was a completely lovely human. He said, I'm so nervous, you know, and, um, you know, feeling like he uh, didn't know where to put his feet or something. But he was completely natural and all of the ballplayers were.
0: So what did Tom have to say about what she had to say about him?
2: It's interesting. Someone like Tom Brady, of course, he's having quite a day today, but he was somewhat humbled by Sally Field, you know, calling him a natural. And in fact, he told me that it's such a serious compliment coming from someone so incredibly talented. I learned so much from Sally just being in the same room as her. And in fact, it was an honor to work alongside her. If everything Tom Brady could and will do and has done, he's like, oh my God, Sally Field says I'm a natural, I'll take it.
0: (laughs) Well, guys, you can read more of Jason's interview with Sally Field on People.com and on newsstands everywhere this Friday. Jason, it's always so good to see you. And this is such a great interview. Thank you for stopping by.
2: Awesome. Thanks, y'all.
0: Renaissance is a French word that means rebirth and often refers to a revival or renewed interest in something. Uh, during the 14th to 16th centuries in Europe, there was the Renaissance, which saw a renewed interest in culture, art, and architecture from classical Greek and Roman antiquity. But in 2023, it's time for a new Renaissance. Right in. Earlier today, Beyoncé officially revealed the dates of her Renaissance World Tour 2023. Queen B made the post on Instagram, coincidentally enough, or, you know, knowing her, methodically planned (laughs) six years to the day she announced her surprise pregnancy with twins. The tour is set to kick off in Europe on May 10th in Stockholm, Sweden before making stops in the UK, France, Amsterdam, uh, Poland and just too many countries to list. (laughs) The nine-time Grammy winner makes her way back to North America on July 8th with a stop in Toronto before she hits up 25 US cities. She's coming everywhere, you guys. East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, Down South, the Queen is coming for you. The tour wraps up on September 27th in New Orleans. You can get all of the ticket and tour information at you guys, I literally woke up smiling from this news. I just can't. I mean, she's back. B is back. The, the Renaissance is here. I don't know how, but I'm going to go see her, okay? I'm putting it out there. I'm going to find a way to go and still afford to put my kids through college. <laughs> but also, here's hoping I get to see her at the Grammys this Sunday as well, where she is the most nominated star. And guys, make sure to tune in to the show tomorrow, because Grammys host with the most. Trevor Noah will be on with me to talk all about what he and fingers crossed what B may have in store for us this weekend. On that incredibly positive note, that's our show. Thanks for letting me ride along with you out there in the world. I will talk to you again tomorrow right here on People Every Day.